ladies and gentlemen. We are live. And for once, uh, John is live from Reno and I am live from the Philippines in Inbound REM's very first office ever since we opened the company seven years ago. It's not much to look at, but it is an office. Um, with We are going to talk about, John has this great subject, advanced Google business profile optimization tips. That's what we're going to talk about for 2023. And we have a whole big list. It's exciting. We're really going to educate you. But before we do, John, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to the people that may not know who you are? Thank you so much, Rob. So I'm the joint founder of mail-right.com. We build beautiful websites utilizing WordPress. We also supply a CRM, a load of digital marketing tools, text, email, to try and get you leads on from your website. Back over to you, Rob. Beautiful. I'm the founder of Inbound REM uh, and a veteran of the real estate marketing industry of 14 years. I am a guy that focuses a lot on SEO. So today we're going to talk about something that that really does fall directly into uh, what me and my teams do for our clients. So uh, without any further ado, we're going to we're going to go down the prepared list uh, that John has. And he started off with a really interesting uh, subject, which is nouns, verbs, and modifiers. So, John, why don't you why don't you tell me and the audience what you what you meant by that? What, how how does that apply to a Google profile? Well, um, what I kind of link that to is that your Google business page and the map, the map pack, um, which is linked to your Google business page. You know, when you do a local search. You want to be free of those real estate agents that show up in the map pack. And um, mm-hmm. it's all linked to having a website, really, because in a competitive area, Google's got a lot of choices. Um, it's based, as you know, folks, you should listen to some of our other podcasts where we talk about your local Google business page and why it's so important to claim it fill it in and spend some time with it. It's all free and it's really important. Um, In a competitive sector, um, how do they choose? Well, um, they look at your online presence and offline, but it's mostly online and you should have a website because they're going to be looking at your website. And... They look at the wording on your website, as you well know, Robert. You know, um, I'm a bit, I was a bit uh, worried about choosing this subject because obviously I'm talking, my co host knows a lot more about this than I do. Um, well, I hope he does. Bottom of me, doesn't know a bit more than me. Uh, um, but, um, so it basically um, indexes your website sees the wording on your website and that will directly influence if you show up on the map pack. And also it looks at your Google business page and other factors. That's why having the right nouns, verbs and modifiers on your website will affect if you show up on your map pack. So that's my take on it. I love to find out what yours is. (laughs) Um, Okay. 
I've never really heard it heard it phrased that way, and I think that that it's it's likely that um, there, there's a video out there where if you put out like nouns, verbs, modifiers that you find for advanced Google profile optimizations and it's a YouTube video. And there are, so first of all, when we start talking about optimization on anything that's related to Google um, and we, we, we do a technical dive, I personally, John, always give the same disclaimer to my customers. And I'm going to give the same disclaimer to you. Technical optimization is fantastic. And sometimes in very competitive markets, whoever has the best technical profile is going to win. Most of the time, though, we can get away with trying to be as useful as we possibly can. Pictures that explain what you do, pictures that show things that you are excited about that relate to your business, such as houses that you really liked that you sold or customers that you really liked holding the keys to the house that you sold things that you find useful. Those things tend to engage people on the profile and user engagement across all of Google is starting to be the, the watchword. In other words, it matters more than any other signal, which means that technically speaking, this technical stuff, if we put it all in one huge pile, it probably matters maybe collectively as much as simply trying to be useful to your audience. So having said that, nouns, modifiers, things like that, excitement language, superlative language, yes, it matters. It can matter. And yes, your Google My Business profile connects very much to your website. It also connects even more so to your YouTube channel. Google has created one background profile. Okay, your local service profile, whatever you and I prop up for our business is a simply another public facing profile that Google has. They also have the search console, which connects to your website. And that's another part of for them of your Google profile. And then if you have video and you have images, these are two other parts of a customer profile, the customer being you, John. So. If you're sending signals off all four mediums, images, video, local, website, you're giving Google four sources of data to display your expertise, authority, and theoretically the trust that people have for you. And now it's experience, expertise, authority, and trust. So Google has added an acronym, another letter to their acronym, experience being measured by how old is your profile? How, how often and how long have you been updating it for? Because that displays expertise. So it's, it's literally not only do you have one, have, have you had one for a while? Do you make any effort whatsoever to update it? Like, and if the answer is yes, there is a game that you can play that says, well, you can update it more frequently or update it every month. Truthfully, though, I don't think I haven't seen anything definitive that proves, John, that that really ranks like that super frequent updates really are a major ranking factor. I'm inclined to say they're not. I am inclined to say though, it's what's really important is that whatever you put on your profile, be educational and engage your customers. Like updating your profile could be something as simple as getting people to leave reviews. And if they're great, long, in-depth reviews, guess what? You've updated your profile. 
It just happens to be with a customer view. Um, so, so in terms of this one specific tip that you listed, I'm not going to say like, here's how I usually describe language and profiles. Whatever it is that we put on our Google My Business profile should explain the who, what, when, why, where of our particular real estate business. Okay, so I don't, I'm not an English major. I've never been very good at English. So I'm going to say that nouns and adjectives and things like that, I get a little lost in the sauce about what that, that really is. So here's how I usually do it. Simple, straightforward. Your profession, like for instance, are you a realtor? Or are you a broker? Let's start there. Is that part of your business? Are you a realtor or a broker? John, for you, it would be, are you a business owner or are you a consultant? Like, what is it that you're doing? Are you a real estate marketing company that is a business or are you a real estate marketing guy who is a consultant? Whatever the answer to that question is, it needs to be in the title of your Google My Business profile. So if you're a real estate marketing consultant, then you put that there. But if you're a business, you do like Inbound REM Inc. So you make sure that you define for Google exactly what you are, which you're going to, which you, you actually covered a little bit later, but that's in the title. That's using the language. So that's in the title of your profile. So um, it kind of covers what you said in number one, but I'm going to skip over to number two because you did in these things, you listed some of the things that I'm starting to drift into. So let's talk about those mm-hmm. local justifications, which I think that you actually, and here I am going to correct you. I think that what you meant was local citations. Is that correct? Yeah, kind of, but also reviews, you know, I meant. Um, why it's really important to get reviews on your website, but also get reviews on your Google business page. And um, if they're local, which they should be, and people in their reviews say, I'm, I, I've just moved to Reno. I moved to Reno six months ago and Jonathan then would really helped me find the home of my dreams. I was looking to move to West Reno and Jonathan really knew the best areas in West Reno and uh, mm-hmm. found us the perfect house in the zip code 89706. If, if you can get reviews with that kind of zip code or, or the area, they're real indications to Google. They are signals. I do not disagree. Anytime somebody uses language, they're signals. But there's technical signals that go along with leaving a review too. And, and here's the whole wide range of technical signals for when somebody leaves you a review. Number one, Google is always tracking the location. They're tra- tracking the location when somebody does the review. They're tracking. So I'm in the Philippines right now. If I was to leave a review, unfortunately, it might very well raise a red flag. Yeah for a local provider inside the United States because my my current IP addresses are in the Philippines. So what you just said about location, you could spell out and say that I'm 87019, yet if if Google saw a signal that said that I'm in the Philippines, unfortunately what you've just done is triggered a red flag that might very well impact the overall quality of your Google My Business profile. So you have to be kind of careful but but here's just a, a good 
fast rule when it comes to reviews. Yes, anybody that's speaking to you that is speaking to you from the U.S. and is either relocating to the area that you're in or asking you questions from outside the state or is within the city or county boundaries of where you are at, if they leave you a review, the way that you ask them to leave the review is say, who are you? Where are you coming from? Why did you contact me? And what were you hoping to get answered when you did contact me or the cert or what service were you hoping I would provide? And did I provide it? And did I do a good job? I can break down everything that Google is looking for because literally in their 500 page document, they literally just basically on every single web page, they want to know who, what, when, why, where, and how. That's it. That's all it's so simple if you understand how it works. So they're looking for all that data. You help them when you instruct your clients to give that to, to them in the form of a review. So my name is Robert Newman. I'm moving from Los Angeles to Reno. I'm buying a second home there. I was hoping that Jonathan Dinwood would not only answer my questions, but I was kind of hoping that the guy would go out into the suburbs of Reno and basically take some pictures of some homes with his own phone so that I could then know for sure that the pictures that I saw on Zillow were, were representative of that property. And assuming all of that is correct, I'm now going to get on a plane, fly out to Reno, and potentially make an offer on the property. That right there is the who, what, when, why, where, how of the situation. Where I'm coming from, what I'm doing, who, why I contacted you. And then, of course, our favorite part of reviews would be, did John actually do that? Did you drive out there? Because if you did... I would leave you a five-star review, and, and at the top of it, I would say, I wish I could leave John a 10-star review, not a five-star review. That guy jumped in his car and went out and did this thing. I'll do that for you, Rob, uh, anytime, Rob. I know you would, because you're amazing. Um, local justification. So choosing a category for the profile <laughs> It's interesting because I saw something come out from, um, I think his name is Danny. He's the founder of WhiteSpark, and he's like the, the creme de la creme of people that talk about hyperlocal, the Google My Business stuff. And one of the things that he did is he ran a case study. If you haven't seen it, John, you should, you should, you should check it out because it's fascinating. And what he did is all he did is he took, he took one profile that had selected categories and then another profile that hadn't. And he did all the same optimization on both profiles and discovered that his reach and his impact was at least 10 times more effective on the profile that had the category selected. So this next thing that you chose is a major ranking factor inside your profile. Do not leave your categories of your business blank. They will provide you a list of categories Make sure that you fill out the list of categories to the best of your ability. If you're a specialist, I think it's free, mm -hmm. isn't it? You can select free. I'm not sure about that. I think it's free. Is that correct? Yes, it is. It, you are. That is correct. Everything connected to your profile is free. No, you can select free the free categories. Oh, three. Yes. You're not saying free. I thought no. you were saying. Free, the word free. Yeah. Uh, you know, strangely, for a guy that's supposed to know this shit, I don't know the answer to that question. I think you're right. But I'm not, not 100% sure. I'm not sure about that. But um, 
What happens, folks, is if you don't choose them, Google will choose them for you. It will look at your online presence. Um, that's okay, but you should choose it for Google. And if you can match it up to services that are on your website, so it kind of matches, that's a good idea. Um, but spend a bit of time. Don't let Google select it. You know, it's one of the factors that you've got control. Anything you've got control over, you should take it over and manipulate and set it up so it benefits you the most. Um, that's what I would say about that, Robert. So mine, my profile is internet marketing services, which I really don't actually like, John. But here's my business categories. My primary is internet marketing service. My secondaries are marketing agency, website designer, and real estate consultant. These are all the things that I was allowed to select from the predefined categories about my business. I get about 5,000 views on my hyperlocal profile. So some of these I like a lot, like website designer. We build websites, so that's, that's okay. Marketing agency, all right. Yeah. Real estate consultant, I really don't do that that much anymore. An internet marketing service, I feel is far too broad. But that's what we had available. So I picked the best ones that were available. So categorically, that's what we're talking about. It's business categories is what they'll call it. John is right. I think you get at least three and you can add additional categories above and beyond yeah. the initial three. But you have to pick three. Yeah. And you should pick as many that suit your business as possible. That's the advice. Yeah, the three, you get list, and then you can add on others, and they should match up. A kind of, it's, it's self-serving, but it's on honesty, folks. Um, if you're going to spend time and money on this, you really should have your own website because it's going to benefit you linking all this together, in my opinion. Right. And here's a couple, here's a couple of really unsatisfactory results. Number one, I can't select inbound marketing as part of my, as part of my selection. Okay. I can't select real estate marketing as part of my selection. So when you guys are looking at this, all the people listening to this show, understand that, that there's big, broad categories. They will not, you can type in a category if you want to see if it's, if it's an allowable. Most of them won't be. So you're going to have to go broad. Real estate is probably going to be the big, huge, broad thing. But but absolutely go broad. Do not not select the category just because you don't find stuff that doesn't fit. And I am not finding stuff that fits. They keep wanting to tell me that I'm a real estate agent or a real estate agency. And obviously, I'm neither. Hmm. So um, lots of dissatisfactory answers for me personally. But that didn't stop me from selecting categories and it shouldn't stop any of the people listening to the show. Um, John. Yes. Number four in your list was community pages. And quite frankly, I didn't really understand what you meant by that. So what, um, what did you explain? Guide, the guide pages, the evergreen pages, the um, pages that describe a, um, a particular area in Reno, West Reno, East Reno's the, the the art part of town, um, local guides, 
um, pages that has information about the schools. We've got to be a bit careful about that, but parks, services, the evergreen pages that we've discussed that you don't have to, you need to refresh maybe every six months to every year with some new content really spend some time building them out. I know it's something that you're passionate about, you and your team. True, but not necessarily on a hyperlocal on the Google My Business profile. So that's the part that I was curious about. Are you suggesting that you put these up here as blog posts or what do you, because you can post on your profile, but you can't. Um, I'm suggesting that Google really if you've got the website and you're spending the time, if you set up those pages up, especially with them when you're chosen to appear in the map pack, um, it's going to really influence Google that you're one of the agents that show up in the map pack. Copy you. All right, so I have some input there. Hyperlocal, this business profile, you can't really put, you can put a blog post and talk about an area on the profile. You can do that. You can add a post that people would then see on the profile. Now, the hack that I use to connect service areas into my profile is the Google Map plugin that I then put on client websites. As long as you've created that profile under the same email address that you established the Google My Business page with. So you have to use the same email addresses. That's a critical thing. And I see this mistake all the time. Same email address across all of your Google services and products. So once you do that, you if, if you use one of these map plugins, Google starts to intuit based on your website, what areas you service and connect that into your, your profile but it's two different destinations. I've got a quick question here about that. I've done this, but I'm not sure if it, i just done it for neatness when I'm doing it for clients. We um, asked them to set up a specific domain email address, which I utilise if they want us to set everything up for them, like the um, anything to do with Google, the YouTube channel, um, setting up the Google business profile, their, um, anything to do with Google, we utilize the same, like we set up like Google at um, wp-tonic.com and we use that specific to set everything up for them and, um, and it will forward, that, forward anything to them and to us if they want it that way or it just forwards to us, we're fully, but I utilize the same email address for everything connected to that. I send, set up a specific address use, utilizing the domain for the website. Mm-hmm. Is there a question there? No, I just did it for tidiness, but I also think it's a good practice anyway. Would you agree? Got you. Okay. Yes, as long as, long as you have both the time, inclination, and organization, but the one thing that I'm going to say here is you should like you can't you can't use john at mailwrite 
or and then John at WP Tonic, even if you have both of those email addresses managed out of the same Google console, the same yeah. master account, even if you're hosting both those those email addresses out of the same place with the same services, Google will view those two email addresses as two separate accounts. Just so you're clear. Yeah. Like you have to use the same email address specifically across everything. And if you're setting up an email address for a client that's based on their domain name, I don't know how your process is, but oftentimes my hyperlocal team is a little bit ahead of my other teams. So they're setting up the profiles before we have the email address available to us. So my rule is, does the client already have a Gmail address? And let's use the one that they've already got. Mm -hmm. So that we, so that from a production standpoint, we don't end up producing two separate email addresses because I, I, I can go on and on, but this is the number one. Like, if you want to say, what is the number one mistake that I watch people make with SEO over and over and over again? Is they're using multiple email addresses, not understanding that Google connects everything into a single profile using one, one email address. It is the number one mistake that I see people making just over and over again. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's go into number five: geotag images. So I'm assuming that you mean images lo- uploaded again to the hyperlocal profile. Is that correct? Yeah, but also to your website as well. If you got this, is something um, obviously if you're utilizing your iPhone, but uploading images direct from your iPhone to your website has its own problems. But there are services, websites. Um, there's a website called GOMGR that we, we utilize. You can upload. They have a free version and a paid version. And I'll make sure the link's in the show notes, folks. Um, and you you can upload one image or a batch of images, and it will geotag those images. And... Google, you can't see the tagging, the information, but Google can. And it, anything you upload to your Google business page um, or to your website, if you can geotag it, it will help you show up in the Google Map Pack and mm-hmm. help in general. Um. I agree with all those things. Uh, the one one easy way to geotag images, fastest way to get value out of your Google Map business profile without having to necessarily worry about a lot of what John just said, is there is a Google My Business app that you can install on your phone. It gives you instant access to your local profile. If you take pictures with your cell phone and simply upload them through the app on your phone, all that geotagging stuff is done for you automatically which makes it extremely convenient when it comes to your hyperlocal profile. And another very clever, hacky kind of way for you to get, like, let's just say you want a larger service range as an agent, right, John? Like, let's just say that you're a real estate person. You want your profile to try to be recognized for realtor-based searches across two or three different cities, not just the city that you live in, not just the city that you have listed as your primary business address, so a sneaky way to try to get that that profile to have a deeper reach is to drive around and take pictures. I like this house, or I just sold this house. 
and then you upload it to Google My Business Profile. It's not a listing you have for sale. So there's no rules against posting pictures of houses to your profile. You just simply say, I like this house. And you take the picture and upload it, but it happens to be in a city that you want Google to recognize you as a professional for that isn't the same city that you have your business address located in. Yeah, it's just great because you're probably driving around anyway, aren't you? Right, right. You just use your phone while you're driving around. And yes, absolutely. All right. So number number six. Yeah. Uh, and I have no idea what you meant by this. So I'm, I am, I'm anxiously awaiting what the answer to this question is, which is what are tools that you can't ignore? Well, you probably ain't going to like this. Well, I'll, I'll put in it. Okay. Um, um, but I'll be interesting. You can't annoy, or you can, but you be advised, you know, AI, you know, um, there's a number. There is a number of apps, products that will help you write, that will help you write descriptions, help you write content um, to some degree. I'm not saying it will write the whole thing. No, you're going to have to spend, well, you'll be advised to spend time editing it. And, um, but it, this will increasingly in the next six months to a year really affect the real estate industry. It's probably already, you know, every major player is looking into this. Um, so you've got to keep, as a real estate agent, um, listen to this podcast, you know, educate yourself, um, keep yourself in the loop because these tools are increasingly going to be coming up and they're going to be helping you with a lot of the things that we have outlined in this podcast. Over to you, Rob. Well, I've already had my first four alarm fire with uh, AI because one of my clients ran some content that we did that he felt was substandard through an AI tool and it came up that we wrote it with AI. Now it turned out that we didn't, but there are already people, customers out there searching content with AI finders. I have it under good authority that Google is furiously putting the final touches on some algorithmic things that are going to pretty much identify AI content with about an 80% accuracy. Now, what does that mean? If you use it and you put it on your site, you're going to get penalized 100% for sure. No doubt about it. Not only is this AI uh, comp- competing product against what Google has, like is doing, so that's bad for them. But more importantly, it's regurgitating the same kind of information. AI doesn't have the intelligence to give 500 people a different answer to the same damn question. It's just not the technology is not that advanced. And you, the real-time computing power needed to do that is almost beyond conception. So, because you'd have to be able to understand that you've distributed the answer in 5,000 different places in the world and that you gave a different answer all 5,000 times. Okay? It's, it's unbelievably big, that task. So that means that you're going to have repetitive answers information that's regurgitating itself over and over again, which goes against the very principle of what Google is trying to do, trying to accomplish. This is a four alarm fire for the goodness of the internet. 
this AI stuff. And it's the death of creativity in, for some, in some cases. So my opinion about it is uh, different than yours. If you're writing a product description and, and you're not worried about ranking or, you know, that your customers understanding that you've plagiarized to some degree, by all means, use AI. Use AI to write descriptions on pictures. Use AI to write descriptions on listings. For sure. Do not use AI to write blog posts. Do not use AI to write neighborhood descriptions. Do not use AI to write your bio. Like, to me, John, I, I resoundingly fall on the don't do that. You will probably regret it. So that's my that's my take on AI, at least right now. But honestly, uh, having said that, here's here's one thing that you and I talked about. And I, I we talked about this about three, four months ago. And it's it's super funny because you know what's being propelled into the, fr- the front of search marketing right now, the very front. And I told, I said, I thought this was going to be a thing. And I told you that three months ago when we were making, do you remember in the end of 2022, we made predictions? Do you recall that, that yeah. episode? Do you remember I told you that one of the things I thought we were going to see a lot of is audio? No, I don't, but no. Sorry. Okay. I think I'll tell you. Yeah. Guess, what, guess how he is serving up ads? Audio. So when you're using ChatGPT, using voice commands, you're now getting audio ads fed back to you. And it's since ChatGPT is changing the way that people are searching. In other words, Bing and Google, like Bing and Microsoft have now like gathered 10, 20% of the search. Like they, they have just instantaneously become competitors in search again, just, just like overnight. Millions of people doing, you know, chat GPT based queries. So all those people are getting fed audio ads. So just uh, an interesting aside, John, that's neither here nor there, really, but a reality of today's market. So I, I would agree with you, though. Ultimately, though, I will say this. If we stick to the principle of what you said, tools you can't ignore, I couldn't agree with you more. You can't ignore AI. I, I would be very cautious about the way you're using it. But can we ignore it? No. Can you as realtors ignore it? No. Please don't keep making the same mistake where you just ignore technology until it's too late. Where like you've given all your listings to a company like Zillow and, and you're completely out of control of your entire profession. Weigh in on the discussions about how people are using AI. Listen to this podcast with guys that are on the bleeding edge of technology or other podcasts. Doesn't matter where you go, but go someplace where people are having intelligent debates about the pros and cons of using AI in in the real estate world. Like, should you use them for listing descriptions? I don't know. I I think I would never do that. But... John, honestly, I think that one of my vendors has started to use AI in content they're producing for us. It feels like it when I read their shit. And I'm just like, can you not? Like, (laughs) like, because I can tell. 
Yeah, you can. Still. Oh, yeah. It's, I had, um, I did, um, I run a kind of startup every second Saturday in Reno as part of a larger startup organization for Northern Nevada. And we run a a monthly meetup discussion. And I was doing a presentation on AI, AI. And that's my, what you've just said, I totally agree with you. I would say 80% of what you've said, I totally agree with. Um, And to me, the content it produces is that there's all types of writing standards. And the only good thing is I think it might encourage more people to be more serious about producing content, but it does produce what I call 101 content. It's content that can meet a certain standard to an audience that doesn't really know anything about the particular subject that they're reading about. But if you've got any kind of intermediate, higher intermediate, up to expert or... I would say above beginner into lower, higher beginner, low, real low intermediate knowledge about a particular subject, it becomes quite evident that it's been produced by AI, in my opinion. So I, I agree with you there. Beautiful. All right, well... Um so here's a strange thing that I've never had to say to John before. Uh, I need to wrap up the, the podcast. I appreciate everybody looking because I am going to hit rush hour traffic in the Philippines, It's which here is 5.30 in the morning. That's oh, when people come into work. It's 24-7 city, which I love about it, but there's there's a lot of people that get on the road. So, John, if, if somebody wanted to find, uh, like, reach out to you, get in touch with you, ask you some questions about uh, local, whatever, however, whatever. What, how would they do that? Best way is to go to the mail-right.com website and you can phone us, phone me, or you can book a demo or book a chat online and we'd be, either me and Adam be more than help you out. So how do people find out more about what you're offering, Rob? So if you want to learn what I've got to say about Hyperlocal, you can go on my website. You can go on my YouTube channel. The website is inboundrem.com. If you want to book a consultation with me, which is becoming harder and harder to do, that's just true talk. I'm here building out a sales team as we speak. So the days in which you can talk to me are limited. But you can still hit my services page or my about page and find ways to reach out to me and uh, potentially schedule a call if you want to hear what my thoughts are. I don't suggest that you do that unless you want the bleeding edge, like deeper explanation. Um, so for people who may be trying to compete in a very competitive market, maybe. Um, God, it's been a lot of fun. This is my first official show out of a, uh, like an office, John. I'm super excited about it. It's 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 super commem- like memorable for me because I've never had an office in seven years that I've been doing this business and I've leased this space. This is really an inbound REM office. So I'm super excited about it and appreciate um, you uh, putting the show together so that all I had to do was show up from halfway around the world. It's been amazing. The quality of audio, the video has been really good. So we will be back next week, folks. We see you soon. Bye.